Hello. Hello, how are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Oh, thank you for coming on. You're very welcome. Yeah, I know. I've been hunting people down for months on Sunday, so. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, Usually I just let people start telling their story right away. Okay. Well, um, so my name's Richard Simcott, for anyone who doesn't know who I am. And I'm originally from the United Kingdom. I um, have been living in the Balkans for the last 10 years uh, because my wife is from um, what's now called the Republic of North Macedonia. Um, We had a name change just a couple of weeks ago. And um, we're here with our daughter. Um, My daughter's 11. And um, yeah, we, we live a multilingual life. So I guess that's part of the fun for... Uh, people in the language community where people may be interested in teaching their children foreign languages. I get quite a lot of questions about that. Um, But I studied languages uh, at university and also as a child and in my free time, any time I can get to study languages, I study them. And, um, And then from that, I started working using my languages and um, eventually when the internet started growing um, a language community emerged online and there was a particular type of uh, language community uh, within that um, sort of wider area um, we identified as the polyglot community and then from from that I was kind of thinking well you know what a shame we don't meet in, pe- in person so um, I set up a thing called the polyglot conference uh, about seven and a half years ago and um, well, the first conference was in 2012 in Budapest, and we've had an annual conference in a different country every year since then. And this year, uh, from the 18th to the 20th of October, we're going to Fukuoka in Japan, and it should be a lot of fun. People come from all over the world, and it doesn't have to be somebody who's a polyglot that comes. It's basically for everyone and anyone who loves language and everyone's welcome. It's a very positive environment. And uh, I definitely feel very at home in that environment with all the lovely people that come to, to see us. And uh, we have speakers talking about a range of topics to do with languages, um, celebrating the host country and the regions languages and cultures and then we have different topics as well on top of that this year we're looking at indigenous languages in line with the un's year for indigenous languages and uh, we've also got other topics i'm sure that will come up um that are to do with not only the other languages spoken in the region um as the main topic but also there tend to be um interesting side topics that i hadn't even thought of myself until i start getting the uh, papers and proposals through and um, in fact the call for papers is open right now so um, if you're interested in talking or want to learn more about the polyglot conference please do visit uh, polyglotconference.com is that okay for an introduction (laughs) oh yeah that's like awesome because i mean i had several questions to piggyback off of just based off Mm -hmm. of that alone so (laughs) fantastic um what was the 
the spark, I would say, that made you want to, you know, start learning languages as a child? Because most kids, you know, they want to play and they mm-hmm. care about their video games and their friends. And most well, kids... I think when I was when I was uh, a young child, video games were not like they are today. Um, so they weren't so exciting. I mean, I I did have friends that were into video games. Um, but it's nothing like it is now. I mean, you know, back then we didn't have the internet, <laughs> first right. of all. So, so life was very different. We didn't have mobile phones or, yeah, exactly. So it wasn't the same world we live in now. Um, that said, I mean, I did enjoy playing and I did enjoy going out and doing different things myself too. Uh, it's just that. I always find it found it really intriguing the way that people could speak in a different way. Um, so different accents were always fun to to imitate and to play with, and um, and then also it sort of grew from there. Going on holiday and and listening to people speaking in different ways and using different words to express what was going on in their minds, I found absolutely fascinating. So I think really that was the the key thing that sort of got me going and. I just I just naturally found it an interesting thing to do. Uh, so I, I continued, um, had language lessons at school. But then for me, it was really outside school that was um, the thing that, you know, I just constantly picked up books and I'd go into old uh, bookstop, bookshops and, and look, look at the books that they had, um, things that were made from years and years ago in different and strange and unusual languages, which were um, for me very enticing and uh, and then obviously modern bookshops too where they had language materials and I I just started buying things and, and playing with it and looking at different language aspects whether it was in English or in, in other languages I mean I even found English very interesting in terms of vocabulary and um, where our words came from and what they meant and and I think you know all of and how people use language it just was a, a for me a generic enjoyment of of learning more about how we use uh, the you know our tool for communication and um in spoken form i think i always found the spoken form for me was the was the interesting thing um written language itself um I find, yeah, I mean, obviously it's all language is interesting, but I'd say that it's the spoken language that I find most interesting and I, and how a language changes as well. So I listen for people, how they adapt language and change language and things that are seen as mistakes and then they become mainstream and therefore grammatically correct right. after they be grammatically incorrect. So in English particularly, I hear this a lot you know, the way people use English and it's, it's quite interesting um, to to pick up how, how people have changed the way they use the language and how they adapt or add new words and things that didn't even exist when I was younger. Oh yeah. Made up words. Mm. For me, you know, it's interesting because when you deal with people who are ESL or, you know, English as a foreign language learners, you know, they're so used to, let's pick up a grammar book. And I said, well, you're not going to learn how to speak a language from a grammar book. You're going to have to learn it from actual mm-hmm. doing it, you know, yeah. taking what you're yeah. learning. A lot of it's input, a lot of, a lot of input, whether you're listening to the TV, audio book, whether you're watching 
TV with mm-hmm. subtitles, whether you're reading an article in a magazine, whatever you get the in- information from, you have to reproduce it. Yeah, and exactly. I think a lot of them, they, I want to learn American English. Well, okay, from what part of the U.S.? Because mm-hmm. everyone speaks differently. Bostonians mm-hmm. have a different accent. People in Yonkers in the Bronx have different accents. Mm-hmm. People in Ohio have a different accent. Now, I'm from Ohio, mm-hmm. but I don't mm-hmm. have an Ohio accent. I, I yeah. sound like I'm from California. Well, <laughs> I did live in California for a while, but a lot of it is how much do you read? You know, how much vocabulary do you use? Like, I don't use a lot of slang. So, mm-hmm. you know, people tend to think that I, I don't sound African-American. Mm-hmm. Well, there are a lot of highly educated African-American people out there that don't sound what you would call urban. Mm-hmm. So, and that's another form of speech. Yeah. And they just, you know, I mean, even Caucasian people in this country, everyone speaks differently. So, mm-hmm. you kind of got to tailor it down the way. You know, yeah. and a lot of stuff that they have that they're using is outdated. Mm-hmm. Like, like some people don't even use half of the stuff that they're learning. So some yeah. of it's not even necessary. Yeah. Language to learn. Yeah. And languages change. Um, and it's, it's interesting, actually, as a, a learner of a language, sometimes we're held to um, we're held to a higher standard. Um, sometimes of, of, of language learning or people don't want us to use their slang or their shortened f- forms of speaking um, in, in their language and it's quite strange because um, it's it's totally unnatural for them and right. and if, if, if you're learning the language and you're speaking and interacting with people from the country and you start using the way they normally speak mm-hmm. um, and but then they know it's not the standard form um, they'll try and correct you for the strand to, to speak the standard form. And um, actually, I always say, do you know what? It, it, it makes no sense to speak um, like a book. If you, right. you know, if, you, if you're reading and you know, you know how the standard form is, that's fine. But if you, um, if you want to speak a, a language, a new language, um, and you, you want to speak um, and communicate on the same kind of level as, as people who use it, all the time as a mother tongue maybe then why not get into it you know um you know it's the way you think of english we we, we shorten our, our whole words and our sentences all the time oh yeah things are always cut off or mm. you know i don't know if you've experienced this you probably have i know i've experienced it more than once especially in the latin american community where mm. they will learn english Ninety percent of the time, it's American English, and yeah. then they'll tell you, "Well, I learned your language. Why can't you be fluent in my language?" When in mm-hmm. fact, the only reason you learned it for was because you needed it for a degree requirement when you were at mm-hmm. uni. So the odds of you being what they call native fluent mm-hmm. isn't, you know, um, satisfactory in your mind. You just want to be understood and enjoy the parts of the language that you enjoy, not trying to race to be native. 
Yeah, exactly. I think um, trying to be native in a language, I think that it's almost like trying to chase a unicorn. Um, Good luck with that. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. (laughs) it, It can only disappoint you because you can get very close and there are definitely speakers of of other languages that learn um a language and even if you take english i don't think i've ever met um a non-native speaker who's actually learned it and i've actually thought they're from where i'm from in english and english is one of the most studied languages um and the reason isn't always to do with how well they pronounce it or how how much of the vocabulary or the grammar they know it's it tends to come down to very strange little things about the language, like um, a psychological um, outlook, I suppose, to, to how they feel when they speak it. Because because they haven't really grown up in the country right. uh, to attribute all of the cultural references to the language in the same way. It may be the, the swear words that they use as well. They don't have the same feeling for them because they didn't grow up being told off for, for using certain words. Right. So they don't fully appreciate what they mean right. and how, how they affect the people around them. Um, it, but very often I find that what it is is that they may speak to you for a while, but at some point there'll be references to the past or something that's happened or where we're from, or something like that. And of course, unless they lie, <laughs> right? They, 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 they make reference to uh, a past that's outside of uh, where you know, the the language or the the dialect that they've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what, as soon as that's happened, that the, the other person's then listening for mistakes. So it's it's almost even if the mistakes can be hidden by a great accent, um, once somebody's made aware, psychologically you're listening out for it, right? <laughs> um, so I think this is why I always say uh, having that as your goal, well, unless you want to sort of end up being a spy or something. I mean, it doesn't make much sense. And also that's not something you can carry on forever. I mean, it's, there's always going to come a point in a relationship, whether it's a friendship or any other kind of relationship that you have um, socially uh, with other individuals that speak that language as as their first language and grew up speaking that language is that it's eventually going to come out that actually you learn this language and, right. and so that... yeah and why not be just proud of your of your heritage and... right i mean because that i i'm someone that i've always loved languages but didn't pursue them until way later in life like late 30s and yeah. uh well yeah independently and i never really had like Spanish or French in high school or junior high. It wasn't until I got to college I took Spanish, and that wasn't by choice per se because uh, mm-hmm. that was the only language that was offered at the campus I was at, so I really didn't have too much of a choice. So I took it, and I did very well grammar wise. I just didn't have enough comprehensible input, I didn't have enough output time. Um, because I wasn't living on the west side of Cleveland, where all the Latinos were. And even if you are visiting the west side of Cleveland and you start speaking some Spanish, 
it it's it comes to the two camps the camp of oh my that's so wonderful or don't butcher my language shut up mm-hmm. um you need to go back and practice some more. Now, mind you, you don't live on that side of town. You came over mm-hmm. there to practice. This is before the internet and YouTube yeah. and Facebook. And all it does is bring negative feelings. So I just stopped speaking altogether and just went for the other side of the language, which was the culture, the music, yeah. the movies, the food. And that was the part mm-hmm. I actually enjoyed most, more so than. Yo necesito hablar el español. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, so, well, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but now I've got to the point where I do speak it, but I still have, you know, apprehensions because of those negative feelings. And maybe because, you know, for me, living in the U.S. is forced on you. Mm-hmm. When we have so many people from so many other countries and there are other languages to be learned other than Spanish. Mm-hmm. So, so in our school system, it's, well, you have German and French and they're starting to have Arabic and Chinese and Japanese, but Spanish is numero uno. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I mean, Spanish is pretty important in the U.S. And whenever I visited um, the U.S., I've got to say that, you know, I mean, I, I normally, well, the place I go, I've been to most in New York and um, and I've also been to uh, Florida, to Miami and uh, to California. And certainly I'd say a very good percentage of my time is spent using Spanish. Um, and... It's interesting, actually, because um, I find the perception of, of English-speaking Americans uh, to be quite interesting because they're kind of shocked that I would just speak um, Spanish to somebody who who's using it, for example, with other um, Spanish-speaking Americans. And, and what I found really strange is that they'd say, oh, well, that could be seen as rude. And I'm saying, well, first of all, I'm I'm not from the US. So whatever I speak is not going to be US English anyway, if it's English. And if somebody's speaking Spanish and they're speaking together and I go and ask for something, for me, it's very, very odd to then switch the language to English. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's a lot of ignorant people in this country. Yeah, and it it would be very odd, especially when I speak Spanish, you know? Right. And then... The second thing is, is that just as well, if I speak to American, you know, American English and native uh, monolingual American English speakers, straight away, you can hear that I'm not from the US <laughs> or from North America. That's the first thing. And the Spanish speakers have the same thing, because right. as soon as I speak, they know I'm not from North America. Right. And um, they know I've, I've learned European Spanish. Right. So they're not going to be so bothered about me speaking Spanish the same way as, as an English speaker is not going to be bothered about me speaking English. It's right. For, for me, I've never had a bad reaction from, from, from a native um, Spanish speaking American. Right. Um, it's just never happened. In fact, if anything, I've had a very nice smile back. Um, and just the, the conversation just carried on as normally 
as the conversation we're having now. You know, it's <laughs> so funny you say that because I don't know if you've heard of this YouTuber. Her name is um, Ambie Gonzalez from Soy Ambie mm-hmm. TV. This girl is 28 years old. She speaks, mm-hmm. well, English is her first language, of course. She speaks fluent Spanish, Portuguese, Korean, and now she is learning Mandarin Chinese and just became engaged to her Chinese fiancé. This chick is living in Puerto Rico and has two twins, and they're learning Spanish. And I mean, this chick has her own companies. Mm -hmm. She's a part-time flight attendant. Went, came off a flight, was transferring over to another flight, and she found this guy that was having trouble with his um, luggage. And so she interpreted for, asked him, did he need any help and needed help with interpreting, you know, Mm -hmm. from Spanish to English because it was, it was just really a mess, communication mess. And so she did that. And then after she finished, she thanked her and everything. And then she went around, went, um, you know, down the ramp and all that was heading to where she was going. And some, some American white guy said, you don't look bilingual. And she didn't you know how look... to take that. And I'm like, I don't know if I wouldn't know how to take that either. You don't look bilingual. You don't look bilingual. <laughs> like, what is that supposed okay. to mean? That's very strange. Yeah, I, I don't understand that um, that kind of idea of of people looking a certain way to speak a language. I think it's, it's very quite ignorant. weird. Yeah. yeah, it's quite weird. Um, <laughs> but it's it's something I can't really get my head around. I mean, you know, okay, man, I'm I'm not your typical Balkan-looking <laughs> person, but, and I and I get yeah. I get weird looks um, sometimes. You know, especially when they're not expecting to speak the language fluently, and right. um, and so when I speak, and it's not just a couple of words, you know, right? It's um, like senses. Yeah, they're like really confused. Um, oh, I've got so, that. I've gotten that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm a very much a people person, so mm-hmm. I don't have a problem coming up to you and speaking. Like if I were to ever come to a polyglot conference, I'm like, mm-hmm. "What's up, Richard?" <laughs> I mean, yeah, you well, would know it's me number one because I'm the one with a guide dog. Yeah. So it's not, you know, most people would know by my voice anyway, and I don't look any different than my picture. So, mm-hmm. so I mean, but. I had that problem when I was in a cafe like two years ago. Um, it was this lady who was a Russian professor and I okay. was talking to someone about learn, you know, learning Russian because I was learning it at the time independently. And she, I go and she's, she's like, Oh, you speak Russian. And I just start speaking. Mm-hmm. And then she started speaking with me and then said, well, can we switch to English because they don't know Russian and it's rude to speak. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, wait a minute, you teach Russian and yeah. you find this uncomfortable? I just, to me, it just blew my mind because I'm such a free person. So I'm like, I'll speak mm. with whoever. Yeah, I, I, there's, there's, I think there's more going on uh, with that kind of story. Um, uh, it, it's a phenomenon that I've seen in a number of English speaking countries where um, particularly monolingual English speakers get a little bit paranoid when they hear a foreign language and they, they, they assume that people are using it to speak about them 
and I think that can sometimes have an impact or influence you know what's going on there um, oh I've, I've, I've heard that so much I mean that that unnerves me more than anything I think mm. um, I someone I know as an acquaintance was in a Middle Eastern shop here in Akron buying some alcohol and mm-hmm. cigarettes and so they were talking they were speaking English to them and yeah. so they went into Arabic and they basically, the guy said, well, I want to learn Arabic so I know what they're talking about. Cause I didn't know if they were talking mm-hmm. about me. And I was like, why would they be talking about you when they just yeah. communicated with you in your mother tongue? Because they knew yeah. you didn't speak their language. Now, if I were to go in there and I would have said, Ahalan, you know, um, mm-hmm. you, you know, what, whatever. You know, Asamalego, yeah. blah 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 blah, Ana Chanel, blah 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 blah, Shukran, blah blah, you know, you know, mm-hmm. Mumpkin, Cola, you know, yeah. blah blah blah. I would say all that, then they would have flipped out because I'm using their language. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. I've had that happen where I've used very my very little broken <laughs> Egyptian Arabic and people went crazy. Mm-hmm. And it was a positive <laughs> way. I mean, we have so many Middle Easterners here and Asian people and Russians mm-hmm. and Italians and people from Morocco and Cameroon and Eastern Europe and Central Europe and what is it? Nepali and Yemen, which used to be Burma. Um, yeah. It's crazy. People speak Somali over here. I mean, it's like a mini United Nations up in this town and all. And right now, I'm currently learning Thai, Turkish, and Cantonese. Wow. And because um, I'm a big history buff. So mm-hmm. I love history and I love philosophy and, and, and geology and all that sort of thing plus music and stuff because I studied theater and film in college but overall I want to be able to communicate with these people yeah even if it's on a basic level like a to b1 and I mean even when I say uh no ho go hang ying uh set nay there you know people like wow you can speak Cantonese I'm Mm. like you know uh-huh. <laughs> you know. It's no, very nice. Still, still more, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they they people go crazy because they don't expect you to speak. And I'm like, dude, we all live in this global community called Mother Earth. We need to be learning each other's languages. I'm sorry. You know, and I'm the only yeah. person in my family that you know is learning other languages. I think it's really nice if you um, if you take the time to learn somebody else's language. Um, of course, I think it's my it's my passion. Um, I mean, yeah, people people are taken aback, especially if you learn if you learn a bit of a language that um, is is not kind of the mainstream, you know, that you have at school, and people oh. are, are more surprised for sure. Oh yeah, that's just like with. Uh... Who was I talking to yesterday? I was, I did the, I had participated in the um, Women in Language Conference. I bought myself a ticket at the beginning of the month and I mm-hmm. submitted a, a, a lightning talk application last week 
And I got selected to speak yesterday. Oh, wow. So I, I spoke on the usage of audio and Braille when learning a language with someone that's visually impaired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, I only had six minutes. So, I mean, I, I know everyone liked it. Of course, I was just completely like, mm-hmm. my brain was just, I didn't know what to think after it was over. But, um, I mean, I really had a good time with it. And I, I learned so much during those four days and meeting all kinds of people, you know, that love the same thing that I do. And people are just so warm and welcoming. I was like, well, gee, if, if, if this is what it's like, and this is my first polyglot anything, I can imagine if I went to Langfest or the polyglot conference or anything else, it's probably about a million times more infectious. Yeah. Sure, it's a lot of fun, and um, you know, just the sort of the experience of of being with other people who love the same thing that you love is is just it's really nice. Um, people people react really well to it, and um, so I mean, I can only recommend uh, that kind of personal experience. You know, if you get the chance, I think obviously um, the conference goes to different places. I mean, we have been to North America, and hopefully we'll go back again in the future. And um, yeah, because people are already talking about here just in the U.S. And I didn't realize how many people from the U.S. had attended Women in Language. It was over 200 people. Yeah. And I had no idea that over 200 people in this country likes learning languages. I mean, because people don't. It's it's like this big secret. Yeah. You know, and um, it's it's an amazing thing. And I mean, even for me being African-American. I was surprised how many African-American people, especially women, mm-hmm. like speaking other languages because yeah. we nobody talks about it. It's not something you you advertise in the newspaper. No. Well, no, I mean, people, I mean, this is one of the good things about the Internet nowadays is that you can, um, you know, you, you can con- connect with people who, who love languages. And this is something that, you know, for, for a long, long time. Um, really, it was just sort of you read about people and it wasn't um, wasn't something you really realised as a thing. And now we, we can all get together and sort of talk about the things that we love. And I think that's it's a wonderful thing. Now, I want to segue into... Um, well, I have no kids. But mm-hmm. for people who do have kids and they want to raise their kids bilingual or multilingual, because yeah, sure. um, I, I listened to Penny speak about it and Shannon mm-hmm. and, and um, a few others talk about how they raise their children yeah. to be, you know, multilingual. And I was just curious, since you have an 11-year-old that speaks like five mm-hmm. or six languages, I mean... Did you have difficulties finding materials for her? Um, to be honest with you, um, I'm not a big sort of fan of, of, of putting too much pressure on my daughter. Um, so what I've been doing and what I've done uh, from, from birth really is more interactive play and making it part of a normal, non-normal relationship. Mm-hmm. So... I have not been sitting her down and, and sort of making her read and write and all that kind of stuff in all these languages. And I kind of left that for the school system to pick up later on. So I've just spoken to her as I would normally in different languages. 
and that's how she's learned. So she's learned in a very natural way. Okay. Um, it's it's actually worked out very well, I think, um, because it's I've not had any resistance uh, from her to 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 learn languages or to for me speaking them. She's not really resisted that, and um, you know we, we I'd say that obviously there are languages that for her that just with time. Um, constraints as children get older make it more mm. difficult um, but she I mean she, she we use French mostly together um, and then she speaks English and Macedonian uh, of course and then uh, she understands Spanish and German well and she can she can get by in them if she needs to but um, I what I wouldn't say is that she's obviously at the same level in all five languages, that would be, I mean, that would be impossible because she's got to learn maths and science and uh, she studies English as a first language as well at school. So there's not the time in the day and she has to do other things as well. I mean, she's a, a normal growing child and she should have time and energy right. that she can and should use for sports or uh, see fr- to see friends for other activities as well. Because you know, she's a, as a human being, we're all social animals, right? We are, well, I mean, oh yeah. Some um, and my daughter's quite outgoing, so she's she she she's definitely a social animal, and um, and, and and so I like to make sure that she has time for everything. I, what I wouldn't want is for her to feel that uh, I, I'm restricting her in some way. Right. Um, I think it can be it, it can be kind of a we can get excited. Um, I think because. Oh, I've got this kid. My kid can learn all these languages. <laughs> um, it's, 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 it's very difficult when you have a baby. The right. baby is a person. Right. The baby will grow into a person. Right. You can give them what you have, right. and that's great. It's a very generous gift to give, I think. Right. Any parent, whether it's a musical instrument, whether it's a passion for sport, whether it's a passion for gardening or for cooking, or whatever it is that you 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 know about and you can do and you can share with your child right i think it's fantastic and language for me is no exception right but that's what it is it's a sharing of a passion right um i think the sharing of a passion is important <laughs> so the child doesn't become a pet project in the right to this i've seen a lot um, of that oh. you, you yeah and it's it's very tempting to do it and i i understand and i i think especially if you see your child's quite right. talented or or good or they t- use talented but you see that they're picking it up well and and it's easy for them and that maybe showing an interest it's easy to then stop piling right. on the pressure and so this is where i kind of like say whoa <laughs> you know, it, it, it's right. a child <laughs> we're not talking about you know we're not talking about sort of a science project it's not Chantal, as you'd say in the US. Right. You know? So um, I, I, I'm very conscious of that. Very, very conscious of that as a, as a father. So I really look out for sort of not, not um, going crazy with the whole language thing. I mean, just to make it normal, right. as normal as possible. Yeah, because I know that I was... Um listening to Penny's talk about how she started her own traveling business and her and her family would, you know, pretty much save money to, you know, go to these different trips and 
and use the language that they have and, and learn more about, you know, and while she was doing that, she would get like books and stuff to, you know, and create books, audio books and other materials to mm-hmm. keep the language fresh in their head and everything. And because, you know, evidently she was the one speaking the foreign language and her husband was speaking English. And so she wanted to yeah. make sure that they, even though they answered her in English, she would tell them back in the, the foreign language, you know, what they wanted to say. So it would, would still continue to be in their head for the most part. And yeah. and she said it was yeah. kind of hard because it was Spanish. And so she thought that she would be able to find a lot more materials for them, but it was just to no avail. So she had to create stuff. She went to her library. I said, oh, yeah, there are plenty of things that you yeah. can do. You know, and she also would kind of look at what their interests were, like what they were interested in the moment. Because yeah. with kids, regardless of what their age is, they their interests change from one moment to the next. So she tried to incorporate language mm-hmm. into whatever it was they were interested in. And I was like, well, that yeah. is just totally cool, you know. Um, now, I'm just curious. Do you have a opinion about certifications versus not mm-hmm. having a certification to determine the proficiency level of the language for which a person um, is, you know. So my experience has been that um first of all i don't i don't think it's that important it depends what you want it for if it's important for what you and you need it then obviously it's really important to have a certification is it really important if you're just having fun with the language not probably not um that said i have met a number of people where they um believe that they've after a couple of weeks of study, one or two weeks of study, they believe that they've reached an A1 or an A2 level uh, in language. And that, for me, rings alarm bells because um, I've, I've done an A1 and an A2 course and I've also done a B1 course. And there's quite a lot involved in doing that if you learn all the vocabulary that oh, goes yes. with it. I would say at least um, two months and, for one level if, if you do it every day. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a lot involved. There's an awful lot involved, and 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 so, I find it quite interesting when people. So I'd say it can be an eye opener to do a course like that, and to and to do the exam, and to see what's right. actually involved in in terms of. And I think it's vocabulary the where people freak out because the grammar they could probably do in a few weeks. They could go through right. it and, and learn the theory of it and probably learn a lot of stuff of the A1 in a, in a few weeks, especially if they're a proficient language learner. But to get all that vocabulary that they learn at that level down, uh, it's tough um, and it takes time. There's no, you know, there's kind of, there's no, there's nothing you can do to replace the time that's needed right. to do it. Right. If that makes sense. Now, do you like to skip around? Like, okay, let's say you get down your basic greetings. Hello, how are you? My name is, the weather is, yeah. blah, blah, blah. How much is this? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so um, I will 
I will do what I need to do. I think is probably the best way of saying it. So I I, I, I learn a language for what I need it for. So um, if I'm going on holiday, then I know, I know the kind of things that I'm going to need to say. Um, and I kind of, I try to be methodical and go through mm-hmm. what I can um, in the time I've got to, to do it. But at the same time, um, you know, if I want to really learn thoroughly, then there's a lot that goes into that because you have to, you, you, have, no, you have no choice. You have to just learn lots and lots of words because anything could come up in a conversation. Oh, right? yes. And I definitely understand what that's like. And like when I was learning Cantonese, I'm still learning Cantonese, but mm-hmm. what I did was I decided to use the Mango app for the first time. And I love the space repetition side of it. So I, there was like five lessons. So I did a lesson a day, but then I do that lesson. Then I would, I would take it, use it right away with a friend of mine on instant Mm -hmm. messenger, send it to them in voice message and they'll respond back. Oh, that was really good. Or you need to work on this. Okay. Yeah. I go back and do it again, send it back get more feedback then i'll throw it up on facebook live and see what people think then because this way i'm holding myself accountable then i will go back the next day i will review what i just learned the day before and then i'll add the second lesson onto it and i'll repeat this process until all the entire conversation has been learned mind you this way, I'm learning the grammar in my head, um, you know, how things are pronounced because it's a tonal language and you have to know the rise and fall of the intonation yeah. of the ta- the sounds, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll do this for like three or yeah. four weeks. So I'll do the first four chapters this way. And then once I have a rhythm, then I'll start doing a chapter a day. So it's the whole level a1 is 59 lessons. By the time, oh, I don't know, six weeks is up, I'm done with that le- with that whole entire lesson. Well, yeah. then I assign myself a little mission. Chanel's going to call a Chinese restaurant and Chanel's going to order her some food in Cantonese mm-hmm. and give her telephone number and address. I did that at the beginning of February. The person spoke Mandarin. I spoke Cantonese. They understood what I said. The only mistake I made was that I ordered some barbecue bun. And I was ordering at an American Chinese restaurant that did not serve barbecue bun. And they told me that it was only served in Hong Kong. (laughs) So we had a great laugh about that. But they were very encouraging and they were very patient. And they let me order my food. And I was just like, wow, I love this language. I'm going to keep going. Yep. So that's what I'm doing with Thai right now. I'm, I'm actually on chapter five right now. And because uh, there's like only one unit with like 70 something lessons in it. So according uh-huh. to Mango, if it's one unit and it has that many lessons, it's the equivalent of like A1 on the CEFR scale. So I said, okay, that's fine. And then I just substituted with like um, Cantonese class and Thai pot 101 mm-hmm. um, material. And then I'll go to like easy languages and 
on um, YouTube and uh, mm-hmm. anything that's audio. And then Netflix is my friend. So yeah, Netflix so is I'll, a lot of fun. I'll have yeah. voiceover <laughs> read me the subtitles in English. Like I don't know if you've ever seen the Cantonese show. It's only one season. It's called Three Three People in a Bed. No, I don't um, know that one. Actually. It's a it's about these three girls who graduated college and they all become famous in their own right. One girl is, you know, has a boyfriend that's in Australia and she's a singer. The other girl, she's a socialite and her dad has this company oh, wow. and so all she does is spend spend money and has no appreciation mm-hmm. for how hard it is to do anything because you know she was given everything all of life. And then the, the middle course, one, yeah. she goes and gets heartbroken by her boyfriend, goes and marries somebody else, married to the person for five years, and then finds out that he's cheating on her because he went and got a bracelet for somebody else. Now, while he was married to her, he was dating somebody else at the same time. And the reason why she found out was because yeah. he had a bracelet made not for her, but for the other chick. So, so <laughs> I... Why is yeah, so it was only 20 <laughs> minutes per episode, so it was really short. So I, mm-hmm. I didn't remember the whole thing. It took me like less than a day and a half to watch it. Then I flipped off the subtitles and then I just listened to the natural audio and I started getting okay. some of the information that they were talking about because some of the information that they were talking about I had already covered in the Mango app. So, right. I mean, this okay. is pretty much what my process is for me. And even in Thai, I do the same thing. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. Why is it that all these shows have to deal with these people sacrificing everything for their family? They're unhappy. I mean, and that's pretty mm-hmm. much what it is. Like, their mentality over there is, I sacrifice everything for the greater good of the family. Screw my happiness. Yeah. Let's make a lot of money. <laughs> You know, and I mean, but I love the way that they tell a story. So in in that, that really, you know, got to me as far as learning their language. And I said, even if I spoke it at an A2 or B1, I would be happy with that just because of the fact that I would be able to at least basically communicate, you know, basic conversation. I mean, I don't have to be native per se no um i mean b B one's quite a high level um you know um it's i'd say it's even you know it's more than just your basic conversation so that's quite a quite quite a level to get to i think um i remember when i did my exam in turkish for b1 we had to talk about military service uh, during the (laughs) examination which was a crazy thing it's you know, I always, I always thought it was actually probably not going to be so involved, but it, it really was. It was, um, it was quite, it was quite involved. Um, well, I mean, I suppose at B two, you can, you're, you're then certified normally in, in a lot of countries to be able to study a subject right. through that language. So it's pretty, um, yeah, it's pretty. It's yeah, because I tell people hard. all the time, what I do is I like to speak first, and while I'm speaking, I do a lot of listening. That's what I do with Russian. I mean, it, it. I had an yeah. Eureka moment last year when I was able to listen to Tolstoy in Russian. Binary Mare is an example. Yeah. And understand it after like almost four years of, you know, just 
listening and off and on. And then I spent a whole year listening to nothing but Russian from 6 a.m. to midnight. Around, yeah, people like, how the hell did you do it? I was like, well, I had it going on in the background. I was doing other things, trust me. I mean, and honestly, I chose President Putin as my subject matter. (laughs) I know that sounds crazy (laughs) for most people, but he's a really great speaker. So funny. So, yeah. So there we go. I did that. And, you know, I just, I think I was studying it for six months in the beginning. And I actually had a three way conversation with someone. I went, started off in English, went to Russian with one chick, mm-hmm. turned my head to the left, and had a conversation in Spanish, and then wound up back in English effortlessly. Like it was, it took nothing. I thought for a second you were going to say to me, you phoned the Kremlin <laughs> and had a, a phone conversation with yeah, right. <laughs> I wish. I mean, now, now, honestly, I've talked to Russians, and that's, and they've made me feel very welcomed in the language learning. They were like one of the first groups yeah. of people to make me feel that welcomed in the language community. You're speaking yeah. our language. I actually had a two hour conversation with someone's mother on the phone for two hours last summer, and she didn't speak a lick of English. And I oh, said, wow. oh, I'm fluent because I can talk to her and not go into English. And That's I did amazing. with no really headache. Good. Now, most people would have a headache. I had a headache with Spanish yeah. for two hours. Yeah. But I realized I was fluent in Spanish because even though I didn't remember certain words, I was able to replace them with other words to get my point across. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, well, yeah. I guess I am good at this. Like, <laughs> You know. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, nice so to hear. If my two final questions. If you had seven tips to give a person mm-hmm. who is just starting out in the language mm-hmm. to like intermediate level, what would they be? They're just starting out in the language or they're, they're, they're actually they're trying to get to intermediate level from they've already well, done Well, the... anyone who's starting... Anyone Basic. who's starting out in the language and anyone who's like okay. up there already in intermediate. I mean, because there's a lot of people where they might be an intermediate, but they're at the intermediate plateau and are trying to get over that hump. Yeah, um, I actually gave somebody in real life, a friend of mine, some of these tips just a day, two days ago, in fact. And, um, and I, I said to him, well, I'll probably say now, actually, it's the same thing, is that you've got to be clear what you want to learn the language for and why you want to learn it, first of all. Because if that's not clear, it's very difficult to start anything from a basis of, I want to learn German, or I want to learn Spanish, or I want to learn Chinese. Because you set yourself a very big goal. It's like putting yourself in front of a mountain and it's it's extremely difficult to navigate where you start and there's just so much to do to learn a language um, because there's so much vocabulary that you need to learn. Um, so I'd say make sure you know, my first thing, make sure you know why you want to learn it and write down what you want to be able to do, why you want right. to learn it. That actually give it some proper thoughts, not just... Because it sounds nice. That's not a reason. Or I yeah. want to. Yeah. That's a that's a reason. That's a reason you like right. the language. It's not a reason to right. learn the language. Um, 
you know, when I was there, I went, why did I learn Georgian? Well, I was, a, I was at first, I was attracted by the script because it, it, it looked very pretty to me on the page. But um, that wasn't, the, that wasn't a, a reason for learning it right. per se, because that was just a, an initial attraction to a language. Like some languages sound right. pretty. My wife said to me the other day, Spanish sounds beautiful in these songs. I wish I spoke it better. And that's, as I say, it's, it's, it's a nice thing to make you start on your journey, but it's not, the, it's not a real right. reason. Um, so you have to think of your reasons. Second thing that then that you need to do is, um, when you've got your reasons, break down your reasons and see what you need to talk about to meet your goals. So have proper goals. What do you need to talk about? Okay. Then... Third thing I'd say is make sure that you don't go down rabbit holes with your learning. So you're learning, I don't know, let's say you just started and you're learning about food. Don't learn every single possible type of food ever ever imaginable uh, because you'll be there forever. This is like every color or every Yeah, exactly. Concentrate on the things that are important to you first. And once you've once you've got all the things that are important to you, the things that are important to the people nearest and dearest to you, I'd say would be the next point of call. That first of all for you, because the person you're going to speak about most when you speak another language. Oh is yeah, yourself. number one. That's just yeah, exactly. So that would be my third thing. I think the fourth thing I'd say is um, to make sure you find materials that you enjoy, like, and want to look at. Because if you, the worst thing to do is to have materials that you hate and think are not appealing because maybe they're boring, they don't describe the language well enough to you, they um, maybe the, the descriptions don't, don't gel, you can't follow them. Sometimes th- some descriptions can be too academic, sometimes they can be too basic and they put you off. Um, it just depends on what your personal right. style is. Um, we all have different personal styles. There's no right, no wrong with this. It's a very personal thing. So check out what there is, see what there is, and see what how you can use it, or if you can. Uh, for big languages like German, Spanish, French, there's normally oh a lot God, of choice. Yeah. So you can you can look at a lot of different things to see what you really do enjoy. And uh, number five would be see what you can supplement your learning with. So are there any things like you said, Netflix? Are there any songs? Are there any um, audiobooks? Are there any uh, people that you can use it with um, either in person or right. online? Do you have friends who use language? Think of all of those things and how you can supplement. So when you don't feel like studying one day, there's something you can do to use the language right. you've already learned. So you practice. That's number five. Number six would be uh, to study regularly. So set yourself a time to study. Don't worry if you don't have to, you don't go forward every single time in the lecture or in the lectures or in the book or in the chapters, however, whichever materials you're using. Um, you, know, you could be doing a Udemy course. You could be doing any kind of, you could be doing a, a course on a site. Uh, you could be going through any type right. of materials to, to learn the language. But just make sure you go through a, a pace that's, that works for you. I'd say look at new materials. Don't be afraid of doing that. But also don't rush ahead. 
when you haven't, when you feel super unconfident about the things that you've already done. Because it's important to feel that you're moving forwards and not basically losing yourself right. in the text. And Because the worst thing is when you get to chapter seven or eight uh, in a book and you can't remember anything from the other chapters because you've gone through it in a week. You know, I, I <laughs> it's, it, it, do have to say that there's sometimes you'll, like, I'll sit there and I'll be like, I don't even know how to, I mean, I can give directions in English, but my directions are going to be on foot, <laughs> you know, because I don't drive. Yeah. But I'm a landmark person. So if someone says, well, yeah. where's your street at? And I said, well, there's a white picket fence where my street is. Think this way. Yeah. The second place on the bleep. Then they'll get it. Yeah. Or it's three blocks up, make a left, go two blocks down, make a right. It's the third house on the left. There's a tree right there. You can't miss yeah. it. Okay. But when you're talking about yeah, a foreign exactly. language... And asking for, okay, I can ask where something is, but if I don't do that in real life, am I going to really do that? You know. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but exactly. I will learn it because, you know, there's always certain words you need in that lesson. Yeah. I mean, you never know when right. they come up right. again. So I'd say it's good to, it's good to learn uh, vocabulary that's sort of things that you could potentially be asked or you could use or uh, it's kind of seen as normal kind of vocabulary yeah, I guess I do that all um, the time but but definitely um you know rushing ahead too far ahead that you feel really uncomfortable is no good so take it slowly uh, and don't be afraid to revise what you've already done I'd say it would be my final tip so going back over what you've already done if you don't feel like going ahead you don't feel completely confident Go over what you've done. There's no problem with doing that. It just helps to solidify. Um, and also, with all the will in the world, we're not computers. So we definitely need to revisit and revise right. and repeat language over and over again before it becomes a normal thing that we use in, in our speech. So that they would be my seven okay. tips. Okay, you know, I speaking of that, I remember when I was trying to remember the word for enough in Russian, and it took me three years to realize it was the stadichna. Now, <laughs> I kept mm -hmm. hearing this word in context, mm -hmm. but I just didn't put that word and the stadichna in the same category. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I finally understand now. You know, but. It, for me, because I'm such an auditory person and I learn everything by ear, and that's the first thing I get, mm -hmm. whether it's from polyglots or just total strange. How do you do? How do you remember all? I couldn't even. Well, I kind of if it's new grammar and it's like I don't know Cantonese, and you have to put the amount of time at the end of the sentence, and then you have the place you're going to and what you're getting in in order to get there. And then you've got everything else at the beginning of the sentence. Mm -hmm. It's not that difficult. But then if yeah. you have Russian, for instance, where you have all these endings that you have to remember and, oh, well, if it's a, you know, e-verb, it's this. If it's a, you know, feminine or masculine or neutered. Or, and I'm just like, mm -hmm. 
my vocabulary is like a treasure trove of vocabulary for Russian, but my grammar still needs work in progress. And people pe- people know yeah, that, I'm... but it's like I can understand what you're saying. I can I can still I don't write in Russian. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I my whole aim is I want to speak. I don't you know when yeah. in fact I can actually read the Russian. Like I have my 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 phone. Um, the magnification is like at a hundred. So like when you type me stuff, I even though I have voiceover reading it, I can still read what you write because the print's big. Mm-hmm. So whoever's writing me, whether it's in French or Italian or Russian, I can sit there and read that and respond. But then I'm like, okay, so this is how this is spelled, you know, so forth mm-hmm. and so on. Yet I don't do a lot of a lot of writing at all. Like I don't. Mm-hmm. I guess my whole aim is I just want to speak it. I don't see myself writing an mm-hmm. email to you in Russian because we're going to use English anyway. Or you're going to want to use English. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, um, for me personally, I I tend not to um, just randomly use a, a different language for people. Um, tend to, I tend to have a language that I use with a person and then and that's the language right. you use. Um, sometimes for fun, maybe. Um there might be some, you know, just if, if somebody wants to practice a language or they, but it, it's, it's rarer now than it was when, for example, I was a student. Uh, when I was a student, it happened more often that we'd maybe just practice other languages, but that was more because you couldn't really do it as much um, as, as you can nowadays. I mean, nowadays you can travel a lot more easily, right. and especially in Europe. It's very easy to travel compared to when I was younger. There are cheaper flights. Um, and getting around is a lot more easy than it was before. Um, but it wasn't like that before. So um, we, we did practice with each other every now and again. And there are certain people we do use other languages. Uh, but generally, yeah, it's kind of a, a language, a person, I, I guess. Because I noticed um, that. I noticed that. Like, if you, I, I hear so many people get frustrated because they want to use the target language. They go into a, a language exchange with someone. Mm-hmm. You say, can we do a half an hour in this language and a half an hour in English? Because that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And then I'll say, let's do you first let's, so we can get your stuff out the way. And then we can get my stuff out the way after. Well, 90% of the conversation and yeah. 90% of the hour is me talking to English. And then when we finally get to it, they got to go. So, you know, you don't get, you don't get okay. very much practice because they only want to speak, yeah. you know, English. And I said, well, yeah. okay, yeah. how long have you been learning English? Four years. Um, mm-hmm. you're, I mean, and you can tell that there's a lot of holes where there's a lot of vocabulary missing. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like they can't understand spoken English, whether it's yeah. British English or whether it's American. And I, and then they have yeah. their computer up where they're doing the translation for both forms of English. And I said, well, wait, back up. I'm American. I'm not from Great Britain, <laughs> even though my ex-boyfriend is. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I'm mm-hmm. like, I love all Brits. You know, if I can move over there, I would. Minus Brexit. I'm sorry. I, I, I look, I'm like Ollie. I would have voted to remain. I, oh, just, okay. I just would have. <laughs> seriously. I, 
Honestly, well, there it's there, there are lots of crazy things on the island. Uh, yeah, no. yeah, and I, I just like I feel sorry because once it does happen, it's it's gonna be crazy. Well, we'll see. I don't know what will happen. I don't think anyone knows what's happened, going to happen, or what's happening. Oh, yeah. So, I think only time will tell. To be honest, um, but yeah, I mean, so in terms of learning the languages, though, I think that for for me it would be, um, I think, whenever you do an exchange and if people are are just using your language and not allowing you to speak, I think that's quite sad, and um, probably. A reason not to carry on the, the language oh, yeah. exchange. I'm very, I'm very um, picky about who I I have as language exchange partners now, just because of the fact that that's all you see. Even Ollie Richards wrote a post about that. He said I went and spent two and a half hours with somebody, and we were supposed to do an hour of English and an hour of Cantonese, and that yeah. did not happen. And I said I felt so bad for him because you can't get that time back. No, no, and it's um, it's it, it it's kind of not not in the spirit of of a language exchange, right? To to just use one, uh, but you know, people uh, English is a is a high commodity. I mean, it's a high commodity item for a lot of people in a lot of countries. Oh, yes. So, so you know, get getting to speak English and practicing it is is Especially really important. Doesn't... And mm-hmm. for for. I think one of the one of the things I think that they see and they don't feel maybe so guilty about is that um, for them, it it actually has a financial benefit because if they manage to improve their English and they get a different, they can maybe get a better job, uh, means more pay. Right. Um, whereas, let's take Ollie because you've mentioned him. Ollie's learning learning Cantonese, and they're probably thinking. Oh, you don't really need Cantonese. <laughs> Whereas I need English for my, for right, my career. <laughs> right. Which, I mean, which is pretty sad, you know, because he's, I've, I've had the pleasure to interview him back in October, which for me was a big deal because I've been following him for like the past three years or so, going on four years. So, so, yeah. I, I personally, I was just like, okay, I get the chance to interview one of my language heroes. Um, and so, for me personally, I would I I could definitely understand the frustration of okay I I came all the way down here on my own dime to speak with mm-hmm. you and this is what I get you know I mm. unfortunately yeah I mean that happens um, I tend not to I don't really have very much free time for language exchanges anymore unfortunately. Um, sort of my my work and um my work out of my day job as well on the language conference on the right. polyglot conference and things like that take up a lot of time and and also i have family commitments so so for me getting time to just chat around on on, on skype now nowadays is a luxury. is a, a luxury <laughs> so i don't really get to do that but um I would, you know, maybe in the future I'll get, I'll, you know, that will come back again. I was just curious, would you be able to, I mean, I know this sounds like a crazy question, but would you be able to list the languages you speak? Um, 
it would probably take I'd, it'd probably take me a while to, to think about it to be honest um i've had a, a whole day at work okay. um... <laughs> um, but um I've, I've studied mainly uh, so most is not all of the, the slavic and uh, germanic and romance languages they've been okay. my focus and then i've studied a number of other languages outside of those so um, I've studied other Indo-European languages like Latvian and um, Albanian and, um, and Greek and uh, Armenian. And then I've also studied non-Indo-European languages. I did some Georgian a long time ago um, at university in Sweden. And I've also done some Arabic and I've done some Hebrew and I've done, and I'm doing now some Japanese. Oh, cool. And um, um, ready for the conference, and then also um, Mandarin and Thai and Indonesian. And mm. um, I've done sign language as well, British sign oh, okay. language. No, that's cool. Because um, I and there are probably a few others. Esperanto, of course. Oh, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I posted that on Facebook last week. I shouldn't have done that because I reneged on my commitment to learn Esperanto in a week. Um. <laughs> Uh, well, well, the reason why was because I was so hyped up about the Women in Language Conference, and it was my first polyglot event ever, that, you know, I was just consumed with my Thai, my Turkish, and my Cantonese, and I'm like, when the, when are, there's only 10 people in the, in this town that speak Esperanto. Okay, well, I guess I don't know. No, no, no. So, I mean, not to say that I don't think that's an interesting language, but I guess I look at what what is here in front of me for me to speak per se yeah so like we have a high hindi population and people who speak somali and all these other languages i mean it's just ridiculous people are asking for mm-hmm. people who speak urdu and pashto and dari and persian and and i'm yeah. like i don't speak any of these languages i'm sorry <laughs> but i mean it's just it's yeah. a beautiful thing when you can you know learn something yeah. new about I mean, someone else's culture and yeah um there's there's a lot to um to, you know there's a lot of fun to be had by, by learning a new language and and then starting to speak it with people i think i i enjoy that very much and yeah that's one of the that's one of the i think the main things that i enjoy doing with with the languages that i speak um i'm, I'm very aware that you know learning every language to perfection is definitely not something that i would uh, strive to do anymore um uh, i think as i've got older i've got wiser <laughs> a little right. bit anyway with um, <laughs> with how my time can be used but um i take a lot of pleasure in in even learning bits of languages so um even if it's just basic uh, courtesies you know nice right. phrases and things um sometimes just that is a nice and it's and it's enough because um, then how do you retain them? Right. I was going to ask you that not... anyway. I'm glad you segued into that because I didn't want to feel bad if I just learned A1 Swahili, for instance. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't, this is the thing. I, I don't see anything wrong with learning um, basic level in, in, in different languages. Why not? I mean, there was famous Hungarian polyglot Katalom said a language is the only thing worth knowing even badly and it's very true I mean if you can greet somebody say thank you and um, maybe say a, li- a right. few other words 
and it makes them right. smile, hey, you've got a reaction that's positive and and it's it's enriched right. the, the interaction that you've had, right? Um, so as far as I'm concerned, um, anything is better than nothing. And so I would definitely encourage people to learn uh, a few words. I mean, I, I always say to my daughter, you know, I, um, whenever we go anywhere, I will always encourage her to use at least a couple of words of any of the languages where the countries were in. Um, and she doesn't have to learn perfectly or remember them all perfectly, but, you know, she does know, she knows phrases and she knows basic things in, in a number of other languages because as a result right, of that. Right, right, because, I mean, like, um, for me personally, I, you know, people seem to think if you're learning a language, you need to be native. And I said, no, but that doesn't mean you're a fraud either. No. No. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, and I guess here in America, that's their expectation. If you're going to speak a language, speak it native. I was like, okay, were you born there? No. Do you know all the idioms and phrases and slang that they do? No. Then why why worry <laughs> about something that you're probably never going to use? Now, yes, I will learn the curse words in the language because I want to know if you're going to cuss me out. Yeah. I don't want to look stupid. So, I, but yeah. I do feel that you need to learn certain things because evidently, if they say that and you're thinking this is a term of mm-hmm. endearment when they're actually calling you whatever they're calling you and you don't know that, uh, that's mm-hmm. bad. <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> but, but... Yeah, well, you, you've got to be careful because as well, the, um, some 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 words that could be swear words sometimes are terms of endearment in some languages. Oh, well. that's just like Russian. I will not curse in Russian, mm. even though I know the curse words. But if you tick me mm. off in Spanish, well, well, that's another story. <laughs> well, I'll have to. Re- I'm, I'm glad you remem- reminded me not to. Oh do that. well, see, I, I, I it's kind of funny. I, I don't know why it is that I, I can do that in Spanish and English and sign language, American sign language, but I can't. I, I think what it is is like whenever you learn a different language, there's a different persona, a different thought pattern, and you start thinking about yeah. cultural. You wouldn't say mm-hmm. because they wouldn't behave, and women, you know, mm-hmm. it just depends on the yeah, just cultural yeah. things yeah. exactly. And and because exactly. I remember Chris Burlham when I was on his show two years ago, I said to him, I said, oh, he asked me, well, why was I in a Bulgarian? page and i said okay if you look at my if you looked at my page and you looked at every group i was in i love people so i don't care that i don't speak bulgarian or polish or hungarian or czech or whatever i love meeting people and learning about their cultures and you know how people think and whatnot i could care less if i said hello that's you know yeah that's you know it, it shouldn't matter if you're you know, don't speak the language or not. I mean, we live on this earth. We all have to communicate exactly. at some point in whatever language. So if English is your the language to connect with, fine. If you learn a few phrases, okay, fine. At the end of the day, you're making friends. <laughs> so, and that's a little bit more important to me, those human connections. And I mean, I, I have over 4,000 people on my Facebook page. So yeah. it's like, I sit there and I think to myself, like, well, I wouldn't have had this if I wouldn't have joined the Polyglot community four years ago. So, but, yeah. well, exactly. but um, my last question, 
if you mm-hmm. were to tell your younger self something when starting mm-hmm. out, like as far as advice about how to get, you know, um, deal with this, because I mean, for some people, it is mm-hmm. stressful trying to, you know, learn yeah. a language. Um, what what would that be? Oh, um, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. Um, I think partly I'm not sure because um, I've never been one to really stress right. about um, about my studies or, or what I do. Um, I kind of... It's, I, I'm a kind of a live and learn right. <laughs> sort of individual. So I don't think about um, life in those right. terms for the most part. I, I, um, so giving myself advice, I'm, no, I'm not sure because I, I always thought something will come up. Right. <laughs> and um, I just knew I liked languages and I studied them. And when people said, well, what are you going to do with them? I always said, I don't know. I always found... As a child, I always found the question of what are you going to do when you grow up absurd. Um, yeah, you never know. Especially as a young <laughs> child. And so when people said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, well, I want to be an African elephant. <laughs> and and it was, it's true. I wanted to be, I, I still would love to be an African elephant to this day. Um, but it's never going to happen. Right. I mean, I don't have to give a, a, I don't have to give a realistic answer to this, right? Um it's what you want to, what would you like to do? What would you like to be? And for me, well, giving the answer was, if some people may have seen it as, I don't know, a bit, a bit rude, or maybe you're not taking it seriously. Well, actually, no, I, I take it quite seriously because I just, I just was aware that people very, very often didn't end up doing the things that they thought they would end up doing. And, right. um, I think if you if you, you you meet these kids that, that know that they want to be doctors, for example, or lawyers, or I don't know, and they know they want to do this thing, and, and they go and they do it, and um, that's fantastic. I just knew I loved language and um, wanted to do something where I could use my languages, right. and, and I was very lucky in that you, you could use your languages in a number of different ways, and, um, and so I did. And um, yeah, so I don't really have any... I think no, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to warn myself about anything. I'd just say, just carry on doing what you're doing. <laughs> well, that's good advice because I mean, there are plenty of people out there, even in the polyglot community, certain threads that I'm on, and they have this this idea that they need to be fluent like two hours from now, or you know, they need to learn like eighty languages, and I'm like. Yeah, you know what the thing is. Nobody, you can learn as many languages as you want. If you if you need them, great. But no one's going to come and give you an orange for having learned (laughs) a number of languages. You don't win a prize. You don't win anything for it. You simply you do it for pleasure. And uh, to my mind, the pleasure is in the journey, is in the learning. Because I tell my my listeners all the time, my seven point one k. Trust me, after I publish this, exactly this episode is going to go up. I'm sure that I've been telling people I'm going to be interviewing you for the longest. So, so they, they're going nuts. Um, I, 
tell them, I said, you know, language learning is a journey, not a race. Enjoy the process because, you know, that's what it is. It's a process and it's going to take you some time. Like I was talking to Alex Rawlings last week and I said, people think they're going to be fluent in two days. Uh, No, no, that doesn't really happen like that. Um, you it's going to take some time depending on what the language is depending on how much you particularly um know about that family of languages if you've studied a language from that particular family whether it's romance slavic asian whatever um you know if once you learn one language you know the others kind of start falling in the suit depending on which way you go with it yeah I wouldn't yeah. race it. Languages help each other. Oh, for I, sure. I noticed that, that, that recently. I was yeah, watching yeah. the a Danish documentary, believe it or not, mm-hmm. about the Danish okay. family. And to make a long story short, I don't know a look of Danish, okay? But for some reason, mm-hmm. I was able to understand everything that this documentary was saying. Wow. And I mean, like, literally, it, it's one of those things where, you know, your brain clicks when you know you can understand mm-hmm. something. And that yep. I've had that happen a couple times. And I literally start jumping up and down for joy, even though I don't speak a lick of Danish. Yeah, that's nice when you hear a line of words and phrases and things that you can understand and, and pick out. Yeah, so I was just like, oh, wow, this is interesting. And oh, so, so, I mean, for me, you know, language... It's it's one of those things where I went to college and studied theater and film. And mm-hmm. I'm more yeah. of an artistic person. So every time I learn a language, I want to watch the movies in that language. I want to hear the music in that language. I want to cook food from that language, you know. Mm-hmm. Aside, aside, yeah, that's aside nice. from speaking it. And everybody's like, well, why? I was like, because guess what? I was the kid that couldn't read the subtitles. And because I couldn't read the subtitles in foreign movies and there was no, you know, text-to-speech software, the technology wasn't available, I was forced not to be able to enjoy what the rest of the world has enjoyed for decades. So now I'm playing catch-up with everybody and I'm in the middle of this language treasure troll (laughs) where I can sit there and listen to, I can watch the TV and then I can have it read to me, um, the the words. Like, if it's a Thai movie, yeah, my Thai might not be very strong right now, but I'll put English subtitles, I'll watch the movie, I'll get really emotional about it, and then I'll flip off the subtitles after I'm done, turn it back on, start it over, and just listen to the entire movie in Thai, just so I can hear what, oh, what the nice. sounds are from the people yeah. speaking them. And so, I, I mean, that's pretty much how I get my, my input in my, you know, comprehension and understanding of, of the the actual movie. Because with voiceover, you it drowns out the, um, the actual spoken the audio. The audio. So mm-hmm. I mostly go by the words that's spoken. Unless it's French or Italian or something or Spanish where I don't mm-hmm. need the subtitles, I can just sit there and listen to it and be like, mm-hmm, okay. Um, or Russian or something yeah. like that or Dutch um, then yeah. that's one thing but when it comes down to like Asian languages and tonal languages I really yeah. want to hear how they say it 
you know. Oh, that's a really nice story. Thank you for sharing it. And thank you so much for being on my show. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And, um, and now, talking of polyglot conferences as well, I've got a meeting just to talk exactly about that. So hopefully there will be more news coming out soon about the polyglot conference. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say this in a language you probably know. Okay. Um, Macedonia. Um, mm-hmm. Dasvidania. Dasvidania. Spasiba Bolshoi. Van. Spasiba. <laughs>